Welcome to the Career Zone podcast, where each episode we spend some time focusing on something that's on students' minds right now. I'm your host, Rachel, Employability and Careers Consultant with the University of Exeter. You can catch up on all of our episodes by doing all of those subscribing and following things. We're on Spotify and iTunes. Alex, we were chatting, weren't we, before we, we came on and you were saying that you were due to finish your training contract in August. So yeah. you've got some very sort of fresh ex- insight there into to a training contract. So how's that been? How, how is it kind of feeling at this stage where you're coming up to finishing? So, yeah, my training contract's been a bit different than the rest because half of my training contract was in full pandemic and in a lockdown and not really going into the office. And the other half was split between being on a client's economy. So spending six months away from the firm. And now the last three months, I'm, I've been back in full, full in the office. Some aspects have been some a bit more difficult in terms of learning, because you do learn a lot through osmosis and being around other people and, and, and hearing them speak about things and, yeah obviously it was a bit slow in terms of the start as well other hard things and other skills made us realize that we don't need to be in person for all meetings it's given us a bit of flexibility in terms of even the small things like getting your packages delivered at home doing a bit of laundry all that kind of stuff yeah it, i think it's just what the pandemic and doing a training contract during the pandemic has, has taught everyone is that there's a human side to the job as well and that people have other responsibilities as well in terms of learning it's just by a bit of background i've had two very transactional seats so where transactional seats is, is where you buy a company or you buy a particular asset or things that have in some exchanging of property from, from a party to another. So that I've done that, which was very different than what I'm doing right now and have done during my secondment. So in terms of the journey, it was it was learning different aspects of the job, which are quite common amongst all other seats, all, all seats, but then also learning a bit about the practice areas. And actually, the funny thing is, you, you for first three four months, you're kind of finding your your way into the seat and the knowledge. The fourth month, you start thinking you have a good understanding, and by the end of it, you move again and you start all over from scratch. But it just takes a little bit less time to learn a bit more. But yeah, generally, it's been it's been a very good training contract. Yeah, it sounds like I, I think because we've, we're coming out of the pandemic now, it's very easy to forget about everything that's happened in the last two years. But I hadn't really considered that, what, that most of your training contract has probably been remote. When did yeah. you start? Was, was it in 2020? August 2020, yes. Wow, OK. And that was from home? Yeah, it was it was from home. I made the big mistake of telling people in my team that was living close to the office. So whenever I had to update share registers or do very things that required a physical presence in the office, I was I was there and actually to cut some costs, um, the firm decided to shut down some of the floors. But that didn't take into account that some of the teams had offices in that and on those floors I was with my torch light out and trying to go through documents and yeah it was <laughs> a bit eerie at times yeah yeah proper. I bet it was 
So you've had yeah. a really sort of interesting experience, haven't you, with your training contract? It's been really hard, especially getting to know, because we were saying as well, it's so important, isn't it, learning from seniors? That's how you yeah. gain a lot of your experience, really. And that's definitely, I know from personal experience, it's much harder to get to know people, isn't it, Where remotely? It's a lot more isolating. So you've done yeah. really well. Hopefully. Hopefully that's and, my first thing as well. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. But yes, yeah, so, um, just I guess, as I said before, I'm always interested to know what made you decide to stay in the UK and pursue your legal career here? Yeah, so actually it was a, a very big difference between the legal system in Romania, which is where I'm from, and, and the system in the UK. So common law versus continental law. And for me, it just made me realize if I wanted to become a lawyer in Romania, I would have been studying the whole content of a law degree in Romania and then taking a bar exam which just I just didn't really want to do so it was mostly a I didn't want to practice at home and there was a reason why I left Romania to come to the UK but secondly I just really really wanted to be in London I think London as a city has a lot to offer in terms of culture and music and all those things it was, it was a draw to London probably if I if I didn't get training contract in London I would have moved away so it was rather I wanted to be in London than I wanted to be in the UK, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense, definitely. London's a really attractive place to lots of people, isn't it? And lots of people want to experience working life there. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. It also sounds, talking to all of you, it sounds like the structure of the legal sort of work here in the UK is very appealing as well and the variety of work you, you're kind of subject to. So there's definitely some um, similarities coming through there as well. And what about securing the training contract? What was your experience like? Similar to the others or different? It was similar in some aspects. I started applying in my second year, but I didn't really try that much. And in second year, I was like, okay, fine. I'm just not going to get a training contract. In third year, I was quite set on leaving the UK in terms of like, I it was like, it was the, the whole application process was a bit disheartening and I wasn't making much progress. What was happening, however, had a very random like careers events where a partner from McFarland's, I think, came from London down to Exeter to do some mock interviews. So, yeah, what happened was I just signed up for one of them, spent the night before just reading up on McFarland's and what they do and all that kind of stuff. And on the day of, I got some very, very good feedback. I was like, oh, if, if this were a real interview, you'd be getting the job, which was very wow. encouraging which was just very encouraging. I think what my sort of underlying thing is just make use of the opportunities that the career center gives you, like getting a, a partner from McFarland's to come and do a mock interview and take a lot, like they, they charge a lot for their time. So doing this pro bono and, and, and doing this for students is a very, very big thing. And you're all, to the students, you're obviously doing the right thing by being here and not just because you're listening to us, but just like, you know, making the effort and trying to get as much information and soaking everything in. In terms of getting the training contract, yeah, I graduated university without a training contract and I could not afford to put myself through the LPC, so I couldn't self-fund. So what I did was I took a gap year in Romania and did a bit of working, a bit of traveling, but also applying to vacation schemes in the background. So it was sort of my my main job where I was just spending all my time applying for vacation schemes. I did three vacation schemes, uh, one at a US firm and one at two English firms and got a couple of offers at the end of it. And yeah, just went for it. They funded my LPC, they funded everything else. And just very briefly on the visa thing, 
if you have graduated from a law degree in terms if you're a European Union citizen and you're applying for a working visa you automatically get it because it's a point-based system where you get a points for speaking English, points for finishing a degree, and points for getting a job offer. So provided you have a job offer, getting a visa is very easy. In the firms, if you're at a sort of decently sized firm, you 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 100 percent get it, get it. It's it's not that difficult to get one. That's reassuring. I was going to ask you about that really. It sounds like that year out that you took was you, you really crammed a lot in and you got a wide you obviously had a wide range of experience you know to offer in your application would do you think that had a factor that in kind of getting you through to the next stage I mean so my grades were pretty decent but not like amazing so I did have like the I think it's important that you have perhaps a a, a baseline where you're your grades are fine and perhaps to answer the, the question which is not having a levels i'm tend to know i tended to notice law firms don't really care about a levels if you've got like decent university degrees then that's fine i had some work experience in in romania from a couple of law firms and it helped that they were international law firms so it was like cms in romania and um, Kinstella romania which again is Kinstella is a, a sort of a partner law firm with linklaters so it does help getting a bit of international experience, but honestly, any experience at all is fine. I worked in Exeter as a delivery career and it like had a lot of like random jobs here and there. So yeah, I think in terms of experience and what's helped me get a training contract, you know, it's obviously getting an application that doesn't have any typos, doesn't have like any grammar issues, the main, main basic things during the Watson Glazer practice tests that you can do online before doing an actual Watson Glazer practice test for a law firm. So just I think the underlying sort of experience that I've had maybe was relevant, but getting the basics right gets you a very, very long way when it comes to doing the applications and getting a training contract. Yeah, it's, it's easy, isn't it, to overlook those basics because... You're, when you're a law student, there's a lot of pressure on you. You've got exams, you've got deadlines, you know, you tr- you're thinking, well, as well as that, I need to be lining a job up for when I finish. So it's very, it's easy to make those mistakes, isn't it? But they are, they're important, I guess, aren't they, to, to kind of get you through, especially when there's so many applications. And actually, because there's an international sort of audience, I do, did notice that our grammar tends to be slightly better than those of some of the people who speak it as a native language mm. and so sometimes you can use that as a strength like you know paying attention to the way that you express yourself and the way you put your application out I think those are very important things that there are some firms like Sherman and Sterling where if they spot any sort of grammar issues you're out they don't even consider your application even if you're a first class candidate and you've had the best of grades yeah, and it would be such a shame, wouldn't it, if you'd done a strong application, but there was a spelling or grammatical error. But I guess yeah. they have to do that, don't they, Alex? Because there, there has to be a sifting process because there are hundreds of applications. So it sounds ruthless, but it's about efficiency for the firm, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's a good tip as well. Use the fact that as an international student, you'll be more aware of correct grammar. I think that's a good tip. But yeah, also, I wanted to ask, what about cultural differences? Are there any cultural differences working in the UK compared to Romania? 
Romina's don't really like to work much. <laughs> they don't like to work much, really. I, uh, I'm learning uh, so much today. <laughs> there's no such thing as a big law culture that exists in in London. The largest law firm in Romania is in the region of hundred lawyers, which for yeah. the UK is a is a regional sort of firm size. The diversity of the work. There are some practice areas that don't even exist in Romania. So in terms of the working culture, that's such a drastic difference. I think that there's you know some some progress in terms of how things are developing in terms of the market. I think there's a lot of people who practice a few years in the UK and then decide to come back and then they bring a lot of the knowledge. I think there are some gaps in terms of the working culture, but obviously I think all of us sort of speak from a relative position of privilege when we say we wanted to go back to our home countries, the sort of type of firms that we working be working at would be in some aspects similar culturally from what is happening in the UK. But yes, there are some clear differences. I think it's if you're from that country, it's slightly easier to navigate them just because you're familiar and they come from your everyday realities of, of living in your home country. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense, definitely. Well, thank you, Alex. Some really interesting insights. This was the Career Zone podcast, brought to you by the University of Exeter Career Zone. Check out iTunes and Spotify to keep up with all of our regular releases. And if you'd like us to cover something else in another episode, just send us a message, hashtag CareerZonePodcast at UOE Careers on Twitter or at UOE Career Zone or at UOE Cornwall Career Zone on Instagram, and we'll follow up in one of the next episodes.